Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Gus Rabaya speaks to us on how the knowledge and beauty of the Lord compel us to a greater love of God. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Anyways, let me pray, and then I have some things I want to say um, in the, the time that I have for you with you guys. Father, we thank you, and we love you. Jesus, we love you. We need you, Lord. We don't want to be in a hurry, even in this moment, Lord. We don't want to be too quick to move from what you're, you've been saying already and speaking this evening what you've been ministering already to many hearts in this room, all hearts, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just continue to tenderize our hearts in the presence of Jesus right now. And even those that are here for the first time, Lord, I just ask that you meet them, speak to them, reveal yourself to them, Lord, and take us all deeper together tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So in light of that, it's just even during worship, before Billy went up to minister that part of wounds, that aspect of wounds, um, was just feeling like the Lord was saying, let's not be in a hurry tonight to move on too quick from what the Lord is doing. Um, What I want to encourage you to, these are just, pre-notes to the intro before I do the intro, and then we'll go into the, the, what I'm going to talk to you about. Um, this is um, part two, just going deeper on one of the things I spoke to you last week. And for those of you who weren't here, it's actually on the Gatekeepers podcast, um, it's, and I'm titling it Beholding Jesus for Longevity. But what I wanted to say is just three things. Um, Maybe there was a fourth one. I can't remember. Oh, actually, there is four things here. But anyways, on the second song that we did, I don't know about you guys. I felt like when we were all singing that part that Veronica was leading us in, that our God is big, our God is, how was it? My God is so big. My God is so mighty. I was was singing a different song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But some of you knew that song too, though. My God is, what was it? There's nothing my God can't do, right? Is that the right song? Okay. Was that it? All right. Just... Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That, that was it. That was it. I just felt like the Lord saying, I felt like, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like the Lord's delight as we all started singing it together. Like, for those of you who know, at least for me, the first time I heard that song was downstairs serving with the children. And you see all these little kids singing it, and that's what I felt it was in that moment. It was like us as his children just singing it, and I just felt like the Father's delight over us just singing it together. It's just, it felt really sweet. Did you guys experience that? Was like, I just felt it really sweet in that moment. It was like, this, and it felt like a beautiful choir, like a family choir. Like we can go door knocking in Christmas and sing to people. <laughs> maybe we would, maybe we will. That'd be really cool. And do go caroling, coming up. Um, and on the third song, what I was feeling the Lord was saying is that in the, the third song um, was that where where you go, I go. What you say, I say. Where you pray, I pray. Is that that's why we're talking about the things that we're talking about yesterday, uh, last week, and today is because we actually want to do that. We want our lives to match what we're singing. And we can't let the words of the lyrics go before us. Meaning, like, our lives should make sense to the songs that we're singing. And we can't just sing it just because it's a good melody. Like it's, those are weighty words. What you say, I say. Where you go, I'll go. Let it be true of us that that's, that, that is so. Amen? And so that's why we're talking about these things. That's why we're looking at Jesus, because when we look at Jesus, it, it, it becomes more and more pleasurable and easy to do those things. 
And it, and it doesn't become like this religious ritual thing. I'm just going to do it because it's there. It's because I'm in relationship with you. So that was the second thing. The third thing that I just felt like the Lord was saying in regards to, uh, and, and Billy was mentioning it in regards to wounds, it's that uh, you're going to have to forgive me. I'll find them for you. But there's two separate passages in Proverbs. And it's that the words that we speak to one another are either trees are seeds that are going to be trees of life or trees of death. And I don't know about you guys, I experienced that. Seeds that became trees of death were spoken over me when I was young. And then there's another passage where it says that of its fruit we eat. For example, there might be some of you who have been told, like, don't sing, you sing really horrible. When in fact, you actually sing really beautiful. But you're eating of its fruit, and you're like, I, I'm not going to No, Somebody says, hey, you sing really good. No, no I'm not going to sing. I sing horrible. You're eating of the fruit of the tree of death that was spoken over you. I want to encourage us to start planting trees of life in one another. And if you catch somebody eating of the fruit of the trees of death that were planted in them, bring them out of there. Call them out into those trees of life and speak life over them. Does that make sense? We need to speak life over one another. We can't let one another eat of the fruit and be like, all right, you're, and you know, and laugh it off. Like Billy was saying, like it's that, that's, that self-medication is the, 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 the coping mechanism. And I'm just going to laugh it off. Like, oh, no, like I, I sing horribly or I'm, I'm good for nothing. I'm useless. And, and our parents, you know, and they, you know, our parents, as much as they meant well, they say like, oh, you know, I'm just joking with you. In Hispanic cultures, bad guys. I'm so sorry. It's really bad. Like they'll, call you the opposite of what you are and make you feel like pardon my French but make you feel like crap so to the skinny people they call them fat and chubby yeah and, and they're like no it's just a sweet name it's like it's, it's, it's like I'm just being tender it's like no actually that's not and then you just grow up with this like anyways you just grow up with so much, so much junk that you shouldn't have been walking with all, all Anyways, um, sweet. And so we're going to continue. Um, oh, last thing, last thing, last thing, last thing. In, in, again, in light of not being in a hurry. By in a hurry, I don't mean I'm going to take two hours tonight, guys, okay? <laughs> Billy said it's okay. Who was that? Oh, Angel's going to be here all night with me. <laughs> sweet. Uh, Angel, I don't know what sleep is, so let's hope you can hang. If you know my kids, I don't know what sleep is. In light of the wounds that, that I'm not going to, again, I also won't ask you to raise your hand, but you can raise your hand mentally if that was you. Um, I, I'm, I'm speaking because from my own life and just saying it to you, he is so patient and willing to take the time with you. Jesus is so patient and willing to take the time. And if you are getting shown something by him tonight in regards to wounds, don't be afraid. He's so patient and kind. And he's willing to take the time. And, if you're, and, and, and the way I see it is that if he's showing something to you, it's because your heart is in a place where you're, you're ready to let him walk you through it. Take the pressure off you that you got to do it on your own. He, he, let him walk you through it. Let him walk you through it. And you got brothers and sisters in the room also that are going to walk with you. Okay? And, and, and that's what the group for me is for also. And I so appreciate the vulnerability that people just put on there like, hey, this is what's happening. Can you please pray for me? And everybody just jumps in and we're like, hey, we're praying right now. And so it, I, I just very encouraged by everything. And I just love being here with you guys. Amen. Well, part two of my two-part series, uh, Beholding Jesus for Longevity. Um, I was very encouraged by what Billy was mentioning. That you, the, those of you who were talking in the group me about how just, you know, different aspects of last week's message ministered to you guys and just resonated with some of you. Um, and I'm always most encouraged by the words that my wife speaks to me after when we're, we're having pillow talk, and she's just telling me 
what it meant to her and what what and what she felt from it and that was that was to me that's the most encouraging i'm always looking forward to see what my wife says um for those of you who got that book that that billy gave a few weeks ago it's the aw tozer book on the knowledge of the holy there's a quote in there that the first time i read it uh years ago it just captivated my heart and the more and more i started going after knowing who Jesus is, it just made more sense to me. And it's that the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about your life. That's what Tozer says in that book, that the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about your life. And I'm going to help hopefully make sense of that tonight, is that the, the, the point of what we're doing from last week and this week is that we would cultivate a passion for Jesus, and that passion in any relationship does not happen on accident. That passion has to be intentional. I mean, no person in this room, if we're all honest, this is a simple yes and no. No person in this room wants to be in a relationship with someone who is not going to pursue them. And in fact, is doing the opposite of pursuing you. And you're like, what is going on? Does that make sense? Like, we, we enjoy being pursued, and that's a God-given thing. And we enjoy even the pursuit, us pursuing. And, and those things primarily are geared, are, should be in our hearts geared towards Jesus, pursuing him and, and, and knowing him, actually taking the time to get to know him. One of the things that I, that I did years ago, and I want to encourage you to do as well, you, I did it uh, on several things, but the one that stood out to me the most was humility. I went through the, the gospel of John, and every verse that I felt was, Jesus was displaying his humility, I highlighted it, and I put an H. And, I, and there were so many things that if you're just reading it, you're just going to miss it. But if you take the time to go through it, his humility, his, how he served, how he loved, how he ministered, and just take the time and how he, he, he laid his life down, you're going to see so much of the person of Jesus. And, and my hope is that every single one of us would be captivated by who he is, be captivated, captivated by his beauty. And by beauty, I am talking about, about the beauty of who he is as a man. The things that make him who he is. I mean, again, if you want to, if you want to take, I'm going to give you, I'm, give, I'm trying to give you things that you can take into their prayer room and talk to the Lord about. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 5, where the daughters of Jerusalem are asking the, the, the bride, the Shulamite bride, and they're like, what is your beloved more than another that you charge us so? And she begins to describe him head to toe. She literally starts from the head and she starts saying, my beloved is white and ruddy. His hair is black and, his, and, and it just begins to describe everything. And, she's, and she is unleashing everything that is within her. And, and it's all that was, she was cultivating in her alone time when he was near, when he was not near, right? We have those moments where we feel the Lord near and those moments where we don't. But it doesn't mean that he's any less real or any less loving towards us. It's just, it's, it's that love sickness that it, it's talking about in Song of Solomon, right? Like, like when my wife travels, I'm lovesick. I'm longing for her. That's natural. That's a natural thing in a relationship. Like when my wife is gone or I'm gone, we're longing for one another. It's that love sickness. Does that make sense? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to help us that if you're not feeling his nearness, it's the Lord is trying to cultivate some love sickness in you. It's not a time, I'm encouraging you, I'm, that it's not a time to question whether he's real to you or not. It's no, it's like there's a love sickness that he's wanting to cultivate and bring out of you where you're just like, I'm just longing for you, Jesus. Like, I'm longing for your nearness. I'm longing to be close to you. And he, guys, there's nobody that wants to be so much more closer to you than he does. That's, that's the thing that makes this easy is that he is longing to be close to you. Like, he made it easy to love him. We're the ones that are a mess. Like, <laughs> we're the mess. That's why I'm crying, because I'm a mess. Like, Jesus is just so good to do that. And, and here's, here's the thing about cultivating passion in our hearts. is this, is that when, when we are most, the, the, yeah, we, we are most intimate with those whom we know at the deepest levels. 
So the more I get to know my wife, I'm more and more intimate with her. And, and intimate, I mean, like, I actually, when she says something, I'm not just hearing her words. I'm hearing the heart behind the words. And I want to be much more in that place with Jesus. When he's, like, what, what's, I don't want to just read his words and think that it's, like, what are you saying and doing for me? Like, what are you doing for everyone in this room? And, and the more I know him, the more I, I'm just like, give me more. I want to know more about you. Does that make sense? Like, I want, I want to, like, let me devour everything about, I can know about you. Like, I want it. Like, unleash it to me. And he's so willing to do that. And here's the thing about passion is that when passion is for a person, our natural response is to devour those details and to go deeper. Because, here's, here's why. Because love demands an entrance into every chamber. Love demands an entrance into every chamber. And the more and more we fall in love with Jesus, because we realize he loved us first, and man, like, and we can never out-love him as much as we can't also out-give him. You're like, oh, I just want more. I just need to know you more. It, it, and, and I don't know about you guys, the, the, the more and more I encounter that, those, his presence, his kindness, his tenderness, his love, I was like, if this is what it's like to be in love with you and to be a Christian, I want more. I want more. And that's where things like evangelism and serving our schools, like we're going to do next week, becomes easy because I want you to experience the more that I have. Does that make sense? We're not, we're, not, we're not bringing them to a building. We're not bringing them to a service. We're bringing them to a man. We need to invite people into a, into a relationship with a man. It's just a little hard, let's be honest, guys. It's a little hard to do that when we're not there ourselves. Gentle rebuke, okay, guys? But again, love demands an entrance into every chamber. And guess what? It's the same with Jesus with you. Would you let me in into that area? Just bring me into that place right now. Bring me into that place. That place that, that the Lord was leading Billy tonight. Bring me into that place. His unending glory. This is why I love just drawing closer to Jesus because we get a glimpse of who he is. His 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What that means is just basically this, that if you're looking at Jesus, it is impossible to not be transformed into him. That's just as simple as it is. If you're looking at him, it's going to be impossible for you not to be transformed into his image and his likeness, even just in pieces and pieces and pieces. It's like, an inch, inch by inch, and that's okay. Because here's why. Because his unending glory, it warrants an unending praise and devotion. Like it, it calls it out. It's beckoning for it. It's like it's, it's mandating it. But the more you see it, it's actually asking, I, I, I want an ending devotion. And it becomes easier when you're more in love. Because if you're not in love, it just feels like a task. Does it not? I'm sure we've all been there. Like we've just like, oh, here, all right, I guess I'm going to lift my hands because they say so. But if you're in love, like, oh, just throw my hands up. Like this, this, is, this is nothing. Amen. And here's, here's how I want to tackle it down. It's just very, just, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about his character and his nature in a little bit, but it's just this. Uh, um, it's important that we put Jesus in our minds in the right place. And what I mean by that is you, we could still be hearing anything that we're saying up here, whether, it, whether it's Billy, I, or anybody else, doesn't matter who it is, or any message you hear. There's, just, there's basically, I'm, I'm just going to boil it down to two things. There's two ways that we're going to be hearing these things. It's, it's in a subjective manner or in an, in a, in an objective manner. What I mean by that is that, is that we're either looking at it in the lens of subjective beauty and glory or objective beauty and glory. Let me make sense of that. It's that 
the subjective beauty of the Lord is, I'm, oh, I love you because you have done this for me. Oh, I just love how you, fill in the blank, you do this for me. Oh, like you're so amazing because you gave me this. You've blessed me with this. Oh, because you, and, and, and let's be honest, the, our, our sin and the culture have, have, are, are pressuring us to look at just about everything in our lives with subjective beauty and a, and a subjective reality. That almost 99% of the things that we love are subjective, are because of what you can get or what it does for you. Think about that. There are, it, it, it's rare for us to actually now know objective beauty. It, we, we look at it in light of what we're getting from it. And, and, and the beauty of objective beauty is, is that it's this, is that it doesn't fluctuate on our presence, uh, uh, sorry, our preference, and it's not about whether or not you like it or not. It's, it's about whether or not you relate to it rightly. That's the objective beauty and glory of Jesus. It's this subjective beauty the object is in question, meaning, do you like it or not, right? Subjective beauty, in and out's the best burger. Objective, somebody said objective. I, I would agree so, but I was expecting more grunts on that one. Like, nah. but some people don't even know what in and out is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't know. Take a trip. The closest you can get it now was almost Tennessee, but go to Texas. Actually, don't go to Texas. Go to California. <laughs> Nobody likes Texas. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't like Texas. That's, is that objective or subjective? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of Texas. Okay, anyways, just going to move on. Um, this is not a debate here because I won. Um, let me give you an example. <laughs> I'm just curious. How many of you guys have never left Georgia? We got one person? And 10 people who don't want to raise their hands. I know. <laughs> Here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Let's just say, I tell you, let's go to Hawaii. And let's go watch the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. I lived there for two years, and guys, the photos can't do it justice. It's like, and, and because you're a Georgian, I'm not trying to offend here. Let's say we go, and it comes down to the sunset, and we're supposed to meet at the beach. And I'm at the beach at sunset, and I, and, and, and it's in these moments, you know, for, it, it could be the beach, it could be, if you've ever been to Yosemite National Park, again, you got to go to California, um, and the, or the Grand Canyon, whatever it might be. It's like, these are the moments when we're in, a, when we are before objective beauty and glory, absolute truths begin to come out of our mouths. We don't say, I like that sunset because it makes me feel good. We start saying absolute truths like, that is beautiful. There's nothing like that sunset. It has nothing to do with you anymore. The objective person is looking at it like, that is beautiful. And yet I can't find you and I find you by the pool of the hotel and you're laying down, looking at the sunset through the pool. And I, and I ask you, what, what are you doing? And these are where those subjective realities come. It's like, oh, you like beautiful sunsets by the beach, at the ocean. I like looking at it over the pool of the hotel. Let's just agree to disagree. It's like, no, that's, that's dumb. That's just dumb. I'm just giving you a, a dumb, simple picture of, like, 
the subjective and the objective reality. And, and it's just that. And so when it comes to Jesus, as we're going into that part now, I just wanted to make sure that we're putting Jesus in the objective reality aspect. And we're putting him in the place that he belongs is that he is beautiful. He is amazing. He is glorious. He is awesome. He is love. He is God. And it has nothing to do with us. That's never going to change it. We're ne- our preference is never going to change that reality. And thank God for that. Like our, our, who, what, Whether we like it or not, that's never going to change on our side. And here's the problem with that. Here's the, here's the challenge with that. It's that the, the, uh, just bringing us into it a little bit more. It's that, like, for example, I'm just going to give you some passages here now. So if, you're just, if you have your Bibles, just write them down. Like Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. But verse 18 specifically says that, that, uh, that the, the goal of this is that Jesus would have preeminence in all things. And, and as I go into these passages, I want to let you know is that, is that the, the challenge with our generation and, and just almost any generation going after Jesus is that we get to, sometimes we just, we treat Jesus so trivial in such an unimportant thing, in unimportant ways that it just becomes so common that we forget to step back and look at him with this objective beauty and reality of who he really is beyond our preference. And, and I'm giving you some passages, and I'm hoping that these passages would stir you to realize I have not really looked at who he is. I have not looked at who he, who he really is because we get marketed at Jesus in the Western church here in the U.S. Come because Jesus will do blank, fill in the blank. The problem with that is that However you are won over to Jesus, that's the only thing that will sustain you in Jesus. So if it's Jesus that blesses you, you're only going to love Jesus as he blesses you. Whether it be financially or in your healing, in your, in, in, in your body, and, and, and things like that. And he's not just tamed or, or, or put into those boundaries. Or you get fun, Jesus then guess what? That's the only Jesus that's going to keep you there. It's when it's fun. Whatever it, whatever it is that you were, you, you're, and I'm hope, whether or not you were, you were sold that type of Jesus in the past, because I'm pretty sure I doubted it, it was here. My hope is to get you out of that tonight. Even if it's just one person, that's okay. But my point is, is to give you passages and just get us to think about who he really is. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, it, it, what Paul calls Jesus through the lens and the eyes of the Father, it's that it's, he's the mystery of God hidden from the ages in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. You, we will never exhaust going after Jesus and knowing who he really is. We didn't even scratch the surface of the surface tonight. And for us, it just meant a lot because that's how fragile we are before someone like him. It wasn't even the surface of the surface. (laughs) And I'm going to give you this line because I I was thinking about it as we were in worship. Uh, Again, another reason why I'm giving you these passages is because the more we know who he is, and know his heart and his nature, the less we question his motives. The more we know of the Lord's nature, the less we question his motives. Let me give you a very simple picture. I have a few, very, very few close friends who all I have to say to them is, you're not down. And all they say to me is, I'm down. You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you need to find yourself one of those friends. As soon as I say you're not down, they don't care what it is. Because we're in a relationship, we're in a close friendship camaraderie, they're like, I'm down. I don't care what it is. Just tell me when, where. They didn't even ask how much. It's just like, I'm down. It's, it's like that. It's like the more I know him, I, I wish Jesus would speak to me like that. He hasn't yet. And say, Gus, you're not down. Lord, you know my heart. I'm down. 
That's probably how I'm hoping I'd respond. The more I get to know him, it's, 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 that's what I'm talking about. The more you know his nature, the less you question his motives. And that when the Lord calls you to something, he's like, just tell me. Tell me where. And, and, and what we sing becomes true. Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say. What you pray, I'm going to pray. And Jesus did that. Jesus did that with the Father. He had a relationship, communion. I gave you that passage last week in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. is that he and the Father, since the beginning, were together, were one. They were there. They had perfect fellowship and communion. And, and, and if we, again, if we don't take the time to even debrief or pause when we're reading the scriptures, it's like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You are, you're bringing me into that? You're bringing me into perfect fellowship. I'm like, do you know how messed up I am? Do you not know? He's like, yes, I know. <laughs> I really do know. And that's why I told you that, that the, the sessions that Billy gave us on, on the Lord's Prayer are a bridging. It's like a, 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 it's, that prayer is like a bridging prayer between what happened in Genesis chapter 3 and what's going to happen in Revelation 22. It's that the Lord is, is going to restore all those things. And that, that prayer is bridging it already when the Lord was teaching us that. And again, let me just give you more passages. Um, Hebrews 1, 3. It, and it's, it, there's this one part in that verse where it just says that he, up, he upholds everything by the word of his power. I've had to pause and think about that. I was like, not even the power of his word. It's the word of his power. What, what does that mean? Like if you step back right now and, and let's just think about that moment. Think about that, that passage that he upholds everything. Guys, everything means what? Everything. That means that the food that you ate today, the fruit that you ate today, he upholds that. And how, and, and, and the fruit that you got came to be because there was a farmer somewhere, and we don't even know where, planted that seed. And, and that, seed, that seed grew, why? Because Jesus allowed the rain to fall. And he caused it to grow. And he helped the farmer harvest that. And then somehow, by some miracle, that gets on the truck somewhere and it shows up at your grocery store. And, and, and all that happens because there was the, the, that truck specifically had no accident and the fruit made it to the store. It's, I know it's so childish, maybe, how these examples I give you. I just, I'm trying to make it as plain and simple for us. Like he upholds everything. And yet, it's just, we, we forget to think like how much right now. He's causing your heart to beat again and again and again. And he's causing your lungs to breathe again and again. And he's doing that because he upholds everything. And he's causing your ears to hear because he upholds it. And he's giving most, if not all of us in this room, a revelation of who he is because that's, that's what he wants to do has nothing to do with what I'm saying. It's just because he's that good. He wants to show himself. All, all this is, is, is just an older brother speaking to younger siblings. I'm just telling you about our older brother. According to the scriptures, Jesus is our older brother. I'm just, I'm just talking about our older brother, guys. That's all this is. I'm on the same boat. I'm, I'm, I'm having to do the work and go after him every day. My hope at the end of this message in the next few minutes before we close is, is that because of the objective worth and beauty of Jesus, that it would actually birth in us the, 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 the risk. Because here, here's the thing. When you look at objective beauty, like I said earlier, it warrants, it has to be the right response. There has to be a right response to objective beauty. And where, where I want to land with us tonight is, and I'm just giving you the answers now to where I'm going, is is Matthew 22, 22, verse 37. It's, it's the first commandment. That his beauty would call us to wholehearted devotion. Because shallow revelation of Jesus, it's never going to give fruit to extravagant worship and devotion. 
That's why. And the more we know him, it's easier to be extravagant with our worship. It's easier to be extravagant with our money, with our finances, because what? Guess what? The money in your wallet, as much as you might be holding it, because you're like, no, I need some $10 to to go get some food. He upholds it. (laughs) And the people who work need as much faith as the missionaries in the room. Because you believe, you have faith that tomorrow you're going to wake up and your legs are going to work. You're going to be able to get in the car that's going to work. And the gas is still going to be in there. And you're going to be able to go to work. And you're going to be able to, and, 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 and your body's going to be functional enough to put in the work. And you believe that your boss is somehow going to write that check. And you're going to have that money in your account. He upholds everything. And it requires faith. It requires us to look at him. And, and be thankful. Like it, it, just, it just requires, like, and again, I'm, uh, what I'm drawing into it, what, what, what I feel the Lord is drawing us into is just deeper friendship. Am I, is this, am I making sense? That's, that's what I feel the Lord wants to do. And so, again, I'm just going to continue these passages. Uh, John, uh, Isaiah 6. If you've never read it, you should read it. It's, it's where Isaiah gets a vision and, and, and the revelation of the glory of Jesus. In John 12, 41, John is writing and saying that who Isaiah saw was Jesus before the incarnation, was the glory of Jesus. And that response led him to be like, Lord, here I am. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. Cleanse me, Lord. But here I am. Send me. And it was a difficult task that, that the Lord was sending Isaiah to and same thing with, with Saul when the Lord encountered him in Acts 9. He's like, I, I, where he encountered him and dropped him and blinded him for three days. He says, I'm going to show you how you're going to suffer for me for my namesake. And Paul did it. Like, let's be honest. I don't know about you guys. If the Lord would have shown me years ago how, would, how I would have suffered in the little ways I have up to now, I would have opted out. But the glimpse and the, 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 those glimpses that the Lord gives us of who he is are, are, are drawing out of us this like, yes. Whatever it is, Lord, you have my yes. I'm going to encourage you to make that your, your little sentence, your prayer every day. Lord, whatever it is, you have my yes. That's, that's a hard little prayer. Lord, whatever it is, you have my yes. Wake up tomorrow, say that. <laughs> Lord, whatever it is, you have my yes. Guys, I'm, uh, here's the exciting part is that, I, again, I just, I, I, I can't help but always just make it just very easy for us to understand. Because um, I have to, like I said last week, I have to make sense of these things also to my kids. And it's this, it's that I don't, I don't, need, I don't have to wait for my wife to text me in order for me to want to talk to her. Or for me to text her. Or I don't have to wait till I get home. And what I'm saying with that is that you could talk to Jesus even right now as I'm talking to you. You don't have to wait necessarily for the prayer room. You don't have to wait for the prayer calls. You right now. Lord, what are you saying to me with what Gus is saying? And guess what? It's all going to be different because the Lord is leading us in different ways in our lives right now in this manner. Right now. Anyways, going back to it, and, and that's Isaiah, and, and, and John is saying that he saw the glory of the Lord before the incarnation. And just a few minutes, and I'm done here, guys. Here's, here's, here's another thing. is that in Revelation chapter 6, in, in verses 15 through 17, we're, it, it's talking about the great leaders and kings of the earth. Those that are opposed to Jesus are hiding in mountains and in caves. And they're getting an actual glimpse of who he is. And what they say in that passage, if you read it, they would rather have the rocks and the mountains fall on them rather than than for them to uh, reckon with the wrath of the Lamb. Again, I'm giving you passages where, where it's, I'm helping, I'm trying to help our hearts and our minds understand, like, I, I really don't know this man, and that's okay. 
when in 2009, September 7th to be exact, when we started the house of prayer, I hated the house of prayer. I hated it. Like, and I'll tell you why. I I said yes because I was in relationship and friendship with our pastor at the time. And and our sets, uh, we only had one group of sets, and it was every day at 5 a.m. And I would bus it from my house to North Hollywood all the way to Northridge. And that was a 40-minute bus drive. So I'd have to be at the bus uh, by 4 o'clock. That means I had to be up and out of my house by 3.30. And I didn't because I didn't have a car for, like, for almost two of, those two, two of those years. But I would make it. And I was doing it because of friendship, but not because I knew the Lord and I was enjoying it. I was just, I, I hated the house of prayer. And we were there. And the first day, people from all over somehow heard we were starting a house of prayer. And we had 300 people in the room. But then a month later, it was just 10. <laughs> because you got to put in the work. But what I'm, why I hated it is because I'm, I'm, I'm on the keyboard. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, there's people in the room. And I'm on the keyboard. And I look over here. And, and, and our pastor is just, like, scratching away badly at that guitar. Like, the way he used to do it in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the rancho, in the, in the ranch. In Los Campos of Mexico. And he's just singing a little hard. He's weeping. And he's like, ah. And I'm looking over here. I'm like, why is that guy crying? I was like, I'm like we're just singing a song. Like, and I'm over here. And, and, and we're, then we're doing this, this, these moments where, like, uh, uh, the antiphonal singer is like, all right, now we're going to unfold the passage. And he's going to sing about Jesus. And, I, and I'm singer number two. And I was like, and he goes and he sings something really good. And, I, and it's my turn now, and I'm like, Jesus, I love you. And then it's the next singer, and then it goes back again, and I'm, it's my turn. Oh, how I love. And I'm just, that's all I know. I don't know if you ever experienced this, Billy, but that's all I knew. Like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're beautiful. I want you. And I didn't even know what else to say. That's literally all I said. And I hated it because it actually, I had to be honest, that it revealed how much I didn't know him. I couldn't sing about him. I couldn't go 10 minutes, 5 minutes, let alone, to actually talk about who he is to someone. Beyond the fact that I love him. And I'm here now, still. The Lord heard it and took it as weak as that was. And responded to it. But I, 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 for the moment, it wounded me. It hurt so good to know. Now it, now it hurts good. But before, I hated it. I don't know you. And, I'm, and, and we were youth leaders and pastors and, and other things. And, I was, and I'm supposed to tell people about you? How? I don't know you. And... And I've heard this from someone, is that when what you know meets what you don't know, what you know gets scared. One more time. When what you know meets what you don't know, what you know gets scared. Last one. It's in the recording, guys. Just wait for it on Monday. When, last one. When what you know meets what you don't know, what you know gets scared. And it's that for me. It was at that point, it was like, I had already had years, what I thought was walking with the Lord, and yes, the Lord, the Lord was so gracious to me that, that he counted it. I don't know how much he counted it for, but it counted. Like, I'm here. <laughs> but, when I started being surrounded by people who knew him more and were saying things about him that I knew were right because I see it, but I didn't know it, I couldn't explain it, and I didn't understand it, I was like, whoa, whoa, what, what is this? And so <laughs> there was a guy who would always come and teach on Revelation. I was like, bro, I'm like, I didn't tell him. I was like, I hate Revelation. I, I hate it. Like, I was like, don't talk about that. Like, it's only because I didn't know it. I didn't know him, and I didn't know it. I don't know about you guys. Like, when we're singing our songs, I, I think I do it on purpose. I'm looking for the scriptures in the songs 
so that I can help my heart sing it. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm like, where's the scriptures in this? I'm like, I'm like I don't want to just sing about oceans and waters. Like, I'm not saying that we do that here. Like, <laughs> I'm glad we don't do that here. But um, you get what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, where's the, where's the scriptures? I need to look at Jesus here. And, and, and all right. <laughs> I'm talking about the lyrics. Like, <laughs> look. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like this, all right? Again, I'm just gent- gentle rebuke. Because I was there. That's why, that's, that's why it gives me the right to say it, all right? <laughs> Is that we know when we don't know the scriptures because we start praying songs. We start praying lyrics. And we're not praying the scriptures anymore. Yes, help us, Lord. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, like, there's, there's so much more power right here. There's only one book that's alive, and it's this one. Everything else is a dead book. This is a, the only book that's alive. And I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to end here in the next five minutes, guys. Thank you for. Martha and Angel are going to stay with me. For, for part three. <laughs> I don't have a right. We are, you're right, Martha. Here's the thing. Jesus came not just merely so that he can be like us, but so that we can be more like him. And, and that we could actually look at his objective beauty Here's, here's the reality is that Jesus, and I said this last week, that he was a real man with real kneecaps, real elbows. He is with a real heart, real emotions, real thoughts, real affections. Like this, we're talking about a real man. As real as you see me right now, even more so. I'm only here because he, period. <laughs> and, and he was, like my son, at one point, an eight-year-old boy. I don't know if you've ever paused to think that. There was a moment where he was eight. And, and even though John chapter 1 verse 10 says that, even though he walked among us, like among his own, his own did not know him or receive him. But I, I want to I, I pose this before you that if the seraphim that we see in Isaiah 6 were there in Jerusalem when that little eight-year-old boy was walking by, they would have dropped down to their face and cried out, holy, holy, holy. Because that little eight-year-old boy made them. And we, we, we need to pause and, and like, that, this, this is a real, there, there's a real glory. And in, in Colossians it says that it, it pleased the Father to have his fullness dwell in him. It's the fullness, in other words, it's the fullness of the glory of God wrapped in flesh. And, and when he was 12, preaching in the synagogues and, and questioning the other teachers and leaders when, when, when uh, uh, Mary and Joseph couldn't find him because they were traveling back to Nazareth, and they find him in the synagogues, find him in the synagogue finally, and he's debating and t- teaching them, and they're all amazed at a, at a 12-year-old boy. Because he knows the scriptures. Why? He was there. He is the word. And, and we take Jesus in the subjective reality and manner. It's like, oh, Jesus, like I need, like there's an objective beauty and glory to who he is that beckons us and should be calling us to give our lives voluntarily and with joy, with great joy. Because the more I see my wife, it's easier to love her. It's more joy. The more I see Jesus, it's so much easier to love him. With more joy, Lord, here I am. And, 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 and that's, that's the child. And, 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 there's, there's, uh, um, and, and so I think I just want to draw us now to, to Matthew 22. So that when we see him, there, there, the, objective, the, the, the thing about objective beauty and reality is that it's how are you going to respond now? It's not about your preference. 
Your preference doesn't change who he is. But are you going to respond rightly before him? That as we take some of these scriptures and passages, and there's just, there's just so much more that I, we just can't go over in this one moment. And, and it's about who he is as a person. Like, let me just give you this one more. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, like this, this is why we don't get it because we're in a Western church. Uh, um, it's offensive to people outside, especially other religions, that we say, one, that God became a man, and two, that he's Jewish. And that man, let's, let's, make, let's take it a, a step further of, of offensiveness, that he is seated at the right hand of God. That he who is Christ, that we call Jesus, Yeshua, is seated at the right hand of God. That is offensive. Psalm 110 says that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until, my, until your enemies become a footstool for your feet. And, in, 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 it's that where, it's that man that we're talking about. It's that man, like I told you last week, Daniel chapter 7, that approaches him on the throne, the ancient of days. It's him who we're talking about. And where we, the more we look at his beauty and, his, and, and the, the reality of who he is, and beside the fact of how we feel, the only right response is wholehearted devotion. Jesus was questioned in Matthew 22, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And not only did he call it the greatest, he called it the greatest and the first. He called it the first and the greatest. What's the first commandment? He's like, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And in Matthew, in Mark 12, 30, he adds strength. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, all your strength. Nothing is left out. Nothing is left out. And the right response to looking at Jesus' beauty and glory is wholehearted devotion. That is my desire. I told you last week, my desire is that you would not last just for a season or a moment, but forever. Forever. You don't get to forever on accident. Let's, let's just close our eyes. You know, we, we could treat him, like I said, so trivial is that it just becomes a, a household name that we forget the beauty and the glory of who he is. And the disciples did that for a moment. There was moments where we can see that the disciples did that. Where, where uh, Jesus said to, to Peter when he first met them, just like maybe a few months or weeks of knowing them, he's like, he got in the boat with them. And he says, hey, cast your nets again. And Peter's like, we've been fishing all day. We caught nothing. He's like, just do it. He's like, all right, because, of, because you tell me, rabbi, teacher, I'm going to do it. He did it. And they caught the biggest catch they've ever had. And that doesn't happen unless that man who told me to cast the nets is somehow upholding those fish. You can't just cause fish to come. And, and Peter falls down to his knees and says, I am, I, I am a sinner. Like, be, like, woe to me. Woe is me. I am a sinner. And in a moment, he catches the beauty and the, the glory of who Jesus is and realizes who he is in light of that glory. And there's another moment, and, and, it, and it was on a, a boat again. Jesus is asleep. The storm is happening. The disciples, it says that they were scared. I hate boats. I would not get in a boat. And these guys were on a boat with Jesus, and the storm is rocking the boat, and these dudes think they're going to die. And Jesus is asleep. And they're waking him up like, Lord, do you not care that we're about to die, that there's a storm? Jesus doesn't have to do what we do. I'm like, all right, let me just stir my heart up. Just give me a moment. Like, let me just, come on, Lord, speak to me right here. What are you trying to say? No. Just 
words, be still. And in a moment, the whole storm and seas calm. And all of a sudden, these, mans are, these guys are more scared of the man that's in the boat with them than the storm that was outside of it. It says it right there. They were filled with fear. Because it, who, and they question, who is he? Jesus, we need you. Lord, I just pray that we don't turn 40 or 50 one day and, and say to ourselves, I, I knew him once. Lord, would we recognize you if you walk down the street or would, just, or would you just be a familiar stranger? Would, you, would we even know if you walked into the room? If you physically walked into the room, would we recognize you or would we be offended? We need to know you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us respond rightly right now. You could do it. You could help us. We can't do it on our own. And it's been said, it takes God to love God. Help us, God. Right there where you are, ask the Father, ask Jesus, help me to love you. I, I just want to do it all in, a, in one way. So whether you're in the room and you just want to rededicate your life and you're saying like, oh my God, like I need to look at this man. I don't want to turn 50. Look back into my 20s and say, what happened? I wasted it. I, I used to know that guy. Who is he? If you want to rededicate your life, you're feeling like, man, I, I've been the one that's far. I want to come back. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're in this room and you've never given your life to him and you're, 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 you, are, you know in your heart, like, I, I, this is my first time here with this man. I need to give my life to him. If that's you, you know who you are. If that's you, just I want to ask you to stand too. And if anybody else in this room, you're realizing, and, and this is me, I, I'm already standing in this part, is that, I have not given enough time to get to know you. I want to do that. I want to go after who you are and not what you just what just you can do for me. I need to know you. If there is a desire waking up in you to know him, stand. to come up and just lay here that's fine you can do that I'm, I'm just asking us to stand just so that I could pray for you and, and maybe see some of your faces and, and, and pray for you throughout the week as I remember just pray with me and then I'll pray for you let's just pray Jesus I need you I need your help to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and all my strength. And I want to see you for who you really are, the real you. So help me. Show me your love. Show me your beauty. Impart your love into me and help me walk it out. In Jesus' name, just allow me to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Even as I'm praying, just an aspect of the gatekeepers is just they were so zealous for what was, the, the, for what was happening inside that they didn't let anything get past them. And I just want to ask you, be a gatekeeper of your heart, guys. Be a gatekeeper of your mind. What, what you allow in there. Jesus, I just thank you that you love us so much that you came a long way 
just for us to have a conversation with you, just for us to draw near to you, to know you, to love you. I ask, Lord, I ask for the grace, and I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Tomorrow morning, Lord, when we wake, Lord, your mercies are new. And it's a new day for us to say, Lord, here I am. You know you have my yes. Help me. So help us, Lord. We want to know you. We want to go after you, who you really are, the beauty of who you are, and not just what you can do. Because, yes, there's, there's, we see it, Lord. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through you. But help our hearts, Holy Spirit, to see Jesus as he is, even right now on the throne. We love you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.